Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. <laughs> C, senor. Dimly lit room where deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. My bowels. It's the middle of the week already. Uh, today we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Yeah, I saw it was Wednesday and kind of had a pleased feeling. Okay. The week is proceeding nicely. Oh boy, I got so much stuff to do. I need more days. I heard that. Uh, so uh, the general manager today, I'm going with Johns Hopkins University. The major mega study, the meta study that we discussed yesterday that showed that lockdowns around the world had almost no effect, what's positive effect whatsoever, had had enormous negative effect. Again, this is Johns Hopkins. Ignored, suppressed by the legacy media. Shocking, and yet unsurprising. Yeah. Big finish here, Michael. Pow! Could have gone with the genocide games. Could have gone with Rush. So many choices. If you're under the age of nine, you could have gone with Groundhog's Day. Is it is February 2nd? Yeah. Very exciting. If you're under nine. Um, uh, I just heard the nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I don't know whose rock and roll I'm more excited about seeing honored. Dolly Parton's or Eminem's. Hmm. Both of Tough their, choice. Both of their rock and roll efforts are... Uh, the sort of thing that needs to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, so I uh, also just heard that one of the, one of the, the just <laughs> two people were going to carry the flag into the opening ceremonies. You usually have two or three people hold the flag. Yes. If you're a big country, if you're one of those tiny little countries, you got one person and they, they have to carry the flag. Uh, but uh, one of our people has COVID and so now can't participate at all and won't be there. And I just wonder how the way Omicron spreads, if she's got it, they all got it. Wow, our entire Olympic team gets wiped out. How much were the commies like that? I I, I, know, I don't know. I got to assume that they're going over there in busloads and stuff like that, that they aren't, like, isolating from each other. Um, no, I, I, that would be logistically impossible, wouldn't it? God, then, then, then if we've got members of the team that have it, there's going to be lots of people that have it. Well, I mean, for instance, if the ice hockey team was isolating, <laughs> you know, completely difficult to, you know, Get your passing going. That's a good point. This this woman is on the bobsled team, I think. Well, then certainly the other members of her bobsled team almost certainly have it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please. They're jammed into that thing like peas in a pod. And then the, well, let's start officially, because I, uh, I got an interesting thing about the Chinese thing. Um, Damn right. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Wednesday, February 2nd, also known as Groundhog's Day, the year 2022. New you in 22. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's leap into action then, officially, according to FCC rules and regs. Here we go at Mark. Uh, guys, I read that the world's top producer of mozzarella cheese said that it expects shipping delays to last all year. <laughs> Meanwhile, Papa John's released a statement that said, yeah, this doesn't affect us whatsoever. <laughs> what is that? It's a child's pizza. What, what was that joke? That was a shot at my pizza? They don't use enough cheese, I guess. A shot at my favorite pizza? I'm not sure they had that shot coming, but it is a child's pizza. I don't like any of the pizza really in my area, and I love pizza. And I'm not, you know, I eat it because I'm not that picky, but I expected a great pizza. Hmm. And I just I don't know, haven't had one. 
Um, so uh, we were wondering, first of all, I continue to be shocked that we're participating in the Olympics at all, but that's a done deal. That cow has left the barn. So uh, how it's going to be received, the Olympics, how it's going to be covered, how NBC is going to handle it, I think is a pretty damned interesting story. Well, um, we mentioned yesterday Jack, Jake Tapper on CNN, for instance, is going to have a daily feature of something like, uh, remember everybody, Chinese, China sucks, is this feature he has every day, and he, and he points out some of the awful things China does every day. Mm-hmm. NBC News did an exclusive interview with FBI Director Ray and put a whole package on the evening newscast last night about how much China is spying on us in our colleges, in our workplaces, how they're at uh, you know, uh, hacking us every single day. I mean, it was a really tough on China piece during the NBC Evening News. That's a good point. Days before the Olympics start. So broadcast by NBC, correct? Yes, NBC yeah, spent fine. billions of dollars. They have billions of dollars invested in the Olympics. And they went with maybe the toughest piece on China I've ever seen um, uh, yesterday in their evening newscast. So. I don't exactly know what's going on or how they're going to handle it. I'm glad they are, but I don't, you know, we were worried that they're going to like treat it like another Olympics, but they clearly are not. Well, I think during the broadcasts of the Olympics, they probably will, but it, it occurs to me, and, and by the way, we'll bring you some highlights of that uh, great NBC piece uh, coming up before and too long. Frightening. Yeah. Uh, but could it be that the Olympics becomes something like a, hmm, how do I put this, a publicity stunt for focusing attention on how terrible China is. Kind of an anti-publicity stunt. A focusing moment or two weeks where the world looks at China again. And, you know, we're all news junkies around here. I'm including you folks to some extent. Uh, But the rest of the world, the rest of the country is only vaguely aware. Well, all of a sudden, the focus is on China for a couple of weeks, and people become much, much more acutely aware of the horrors there. That could be a real positive. Yeah, I'd never considered that option. Maybe we come out of the Olympics and having participated in it, China has a lower approval rating than when uh, when they went in. So that'd be a good thing. Well, just speaking for ourselves, and I think I speak for you, too, it's going to be difficult to bring up the Olympics without throwing in at least a little token. Keep in mind, these people engage in genocide, rape, uh, uh, murder of political dissidents, oppression across the globe, and want to oppress you next. And they're to blame for the whole COVID thing. I don't know if it had any effect on your life over the last two years, but it kind of of affected mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent point. Never let that go. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to deal it. Um, I got to YouTube TV, and they asked me, hey, do you want to tape like virtually all of the uh, the Olympic stuff? And I had a long moment of hesitation. I thought, am I endorsing the, the awful Chinese? or, or what's, what, what's, what's the significant? Am I, am I complicit in slavery if I? But then I thought, you know, I really like bobsledding. So I said yes. That's interesting. I have Peacock, which has its own. Uh, that's the NBC uh, streaming service. Uh, and it's got its really good, really, really good Olympic coverage and a real easy way to like bring up each individual event and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But I just realized I signed up for that for the Summer Olympics. That's the only reason I signed up for it two years ago, I guess. Then. Hmm. That's how they get you. <laughs> That's how they get you. Now I still have it for the Winter Olympics. Huh. How does the bag of mail look today? It's good. It covers a lot of ground. Okay. Are you following this uh, racism in the NFL and around uh, hiring coaches story? I am. Okay. I am indeed. Good. We'll have to get into that. I was surprised how many front pages that made it onto. 
I guess because it's got racism in it and the number one TV show in America. Uh, speaking of racists, how about that horrible racist Whoopi Goldberg, suspended by ABC? Thankfully, uh, America's children won't be tortured by her presence on the boob tube, at least for 14 days, at least a fortnight. They- <laughs> a fortnight without Whoopi. <laughs> Oh, and then the bomb threats to the black colleges across America. Yeah, what's going on with that? I don't know. It's one of three things, right? It's an actual stone-cold racist, part of a racist group of white supremacists, and that would be awful. Mm-hmm. Or it's a complete nut job who might be racist, but like is of no, it has no greater significance. It's just a complete nut job, which happens sometimes. I was going to say troll in that slot. Or, Somebody with no intention, just like stirring S up. Or it's a, an ethnic studies professor or or a grad student who's sending these to kick off Black History Month to try to draw attention to racism and is going to get caught. And that would be, I would knock me over with a feather if that's what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to identify a prime suspect at this point, but that's on the map. That yes. happens a lot. On the radar. We're not being crazy by saying that. That happens oh, no. a lot. That If there is a noose on a college campus, there's a 9 out of 10 chance it was planted by an activist, not by a racist. Right. So we'll see what's going on with that. Uh, all that stuff on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, it's Groundhog Day again, and that must mean that we're up here at Gobbler's Knob waiting for the forecast from the world's most famous groundhog weatherman, Punxsutawney Phil, who's just about to tell us how much more winter we can expect. It's funny how that movie has become like a phrase that people use regularly to describe things as a cultural touchstone. I saw that movie in the theater and I, I remember liking it, but I didn't know it was going to be such a, you know, a um a thing. Right. Right. Groundhog Day now refers more frequently to something that happens over and over again than the idiotic yeah. rodent crawling out of a burrow. Although it was the only reason I say idiotic, it used to be a quaint local thing in a little town in Pennsylvania. Not but their fault. The, but then the <laughs> buxom, white-toothed, square-jawed news anchors of America began uh, got hold of it and started taking fake delight in it. And Bill Murray there with a brilliant fake delight lilt to his voice. That was great. <laughs> Well, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. One of the most famous groundhogs died this week. Not Puxatani Phil, but the second most famous groundhog. We will uh, take a look at that later. Probably got the booster shot. I'll bet that's what happened. Oh, boy. Oh, that was as good as it was bad. Well done. The only groundhog I'm interested in is in patty shape or link next to a couple eggs over easy. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. I love this one so much. John F. Kennedy. The F stood for freaking. John freaking (laughs) Kennedy. There it is. By today's standards, an arch conservative. Yeah. A nation that is afraid to let its people judge the truth and falsehood in an open market is a nation that is afraid of its people. Ooh, that's rough. Open market of ideas, my friends. Amen. Mailbag. Speaking of which, 
JP writes, guys, this just in, the entire supergroup, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and interestingly, India Ari, have just announced they are all pulling out of Spotify. All right. Joe Rogan's days are numbered. I don't think he means that. And I don't think they are. Tom Friedman of the New York Times with a column today saluting Neil Young for his bravery. Boy, you talk about irrelevant old guys. I was just going to say, you know, with all due respect, and I've listened to Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, all sorts of combinations, obscure albums you haven't even heard of and enjoyed them through the years. But you want to talk about cultural relevance? Joe Rogan versus, I don't know, oh. David Crosby? Are oh. you kidding me? As opinion leaders? Neil Young? Yeah. 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 Stop it. Well, there's a reason they paid Joe Rogan $100 million. That's Come insane on. money. And again, we will do it for half of that. We were talking about Vision Zero, the alleged uh, cutting down on traffic deaths and pedestrian deaths program being implemented in cities across the country, mostly adding bike lanes nobody uses and and cutting down on traffic, closing streets to traffic, making it miserable to go downtown, that sort of thing. And uh, traffic deaths are actually rising rather steeply. Uh, Might not be directly as a result, but it sure takes the fun out of it. Got this note from Al Anonymous. Uh, I've worked with the San Diego Police Department for almost 30 years, most recently as a detective in the Traffic Investigations Unit. We were introduced to Vision Zero about two years ago, with more roadways redesigned for bicycles, yet ever-increasing numbers of fatalities with cars, pedestrians, cyclists in the city. We came up with our own slogan, Vision Zero starts tomorrow. You know, I hadn't even put two and two together. So as you're trying to force us into bikes and putting the making the bike lanes wider and the car lanes narrower and everything like that, getting more people run over. That's not surprising to me. Just remember that asking whether a government program will work is like you're at the dog breeder and you ask whether the dog will ever learn to talk. Nobody even asks the question. It's seen as so. Well, nobody asks the question. It's not seen as anything. There's a feeling that naming a program is all you really need to do. Especially an exciting name like Vision Zero. You come up with a name for a program and an intent and a big budget, and then everybody's like, oh, my gosh, look, we're tackling climate change or road deaths or lead in schools or whatever. (laughs) It just automatically is going to happen. And most of the time, nothing happens. One of the best, uh, one of my favorite pieces of wisdom I've come across in the last quarter century or so is the, uh, I can't remember what, what it's called. It probably has a clever name, speaking of clever names, but it's the principle of something. Something needs to be done. This is something, therefore this needs to be done. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're going to serve up some leftovers. This one's been sitting around on, for, on, yes, on, yes, sir? On that tack or angle. Um, I heard this the other day. Uh I don't remember how you get into it, but the the ending was you always want to be on the committee that's saying this must never happen again. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to be on the part that, you know, gets blamed for something. You want to be on the committee that's saying, you know, at work or wherever, this must never happen again. (laughs) The mop up crew. (laughs) Exactly. That's hilarious. You get all the credit for it. This is a return of the page. So I've been meaning to get uh, to this one for a couple of days, but it's worth it. Uh, Tim wrote, uh, guys, while watching the AFC championship game, when the overtime rules were explained and it became clear that only one team might get a chance with the ball, my six-year-old daughter loudly said, "That's not that rule's not fair, then muttered, I don't like President Biden. 
After my wife and I finished laughing, we explained to her that the president doesn't actually set the rules for football. Uh, Jack, I guess you aren't the only one who needs to tone down political discussions around your kids. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like my house. (laughs) Hilarious. Nobody likes the NFL overtime. Freaking nobody. So how does it end up continuing? We had one angry emailer lecturing us that we were wrong about that. Sir, you are a crank. Being a crank is not a fatal sin. I'm not calling for your execution. Just do me a favor. Keep your crank opinions to yourself. Moving along. Uh, the uh, invaluable Kevin from Placerville, California, our official COVID correspondent, uh, talking about the French Laundry 2.0, Gavin Newsom maskless in spite of the triple mandate to be masked at the football game the other day, including his own mandate. What's most galling is tomorrow preschoolers across the state will be forced into masks all day long with no breaks, but the damn governor can't be bothered to put one on for a photo op. This is every single person in that stadium is at greater risk for COVID than your average preschooler. Uh, watching the game where no one's paying attention to these rules and the broadcast goes out out of the way to avoid the issue, it's clear to me that not only don't our leaders believe any of their own BS, they seem ashamed to let the rest of the world see just how crazy California actually is. Hopefully this is a sign that the jig is finally up and the re- restrictions will end soon. In the meantime, Gavin deserves all the ridicule he took for the French Laundry incident and more. The man truly has no shame. Amen to that. Sporting events and protests seem to be just like a, a different category, I guess, for COVID. We all pretend like COVID doesn't exist for them. Well, it's a mandate for you, but not for us if we find it inconvenient. FBI director had some tough say- things to say about China, among other things we're going to talk about on the show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Christopher Ray says when he became FBI director, the sheer amount of Chinese spying to steal American technology was a huge surprise. This one blew me away. And I'm not the kind of guy that uses words like blown away easily. We are investigating... Uh, opening a new China-related counterintelligence investigation. About every 12 hours, we probably have over 2,000 of those investigations. So that's really, really interesting. I think maybe the most interesting part of that is it debuted on the NBC Evening News with Lester Holt last night that they decided two days before their multi-billion dollar investment in the Beijing Olympics... Let's sit down with the FBI director and point out to America just how bad China is. Interesting move by NBC. It's so odd to see the mainstream media doing the right thing for the right reason. It's just it's, it's, speaking of being blown away. Unless they're laying the groundwork for cover for their fawning coverage on uh, for the next two weeks on the Olympics. I don't know. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I see. Apologizing in advance, as it were. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, this is some interesting and scary stuff, as you heard there. Christopher Ray saying he's blown away by uh, the level. He was blown away when he became director, finding out the level of Chinese spying. And as he said, he's not a guy who says blown away on a regular basis. You know, there's some people who say that sort of thing all the time. And then you run into people who would never say that unless they are truly shocked. Sure. It's like the guy you say you want to get some tacos and he says, awesome. Thinking. They're just tacos. Or this cup of this coffee is amazing. Is it? Is it really? Is it amazing? This is just pretty good. Uh, here's more from the NBC report. Other countries spy on each other. So what does China do that's different? 
There is no country, no country that presents a broader, more severe threat to our innovation, our ideas, and our economic security than China does. I'm referring not to the Chinese people, not to people of Chinese descent or heritage. What we're talking about here is the Chinese government and the Chinese Communist Party. The Chinese government has repeatedly insisted that it doesn't steal American business secrets. But the FBI says Chinese spies target a range of American innovations on COVID vaccines, computer chips, nuclear power plants, jet engines, and smartphones, for example, sometimes by planting company insiders, sometimes through its world-leading cyber theft. The scale of their hacking program and the amount of personal and corporate data that their hackers have stolen is greater than every other country combined. The fact that China has people in our universities and our companies stealing is really something. Well, for the hundredth time, the book Hundred Year Marathon by Michael Pillsbury is so good. I mean, it's just terrific, and it's very readable, too. You need not be a foreign policy wonk. Uh, But one of the points he makes is during those decades when we were getting just completely duped by China into thinking, well, the more we engage, the more they'll be like us, as they were laughing, determined to become more and more, you know, totalitarian communist. Um, One of the things we did was, hey, send us all of your scientists, all of your grad students, all of your undergrads, we'll take them, we'll educate them, we'll give them access to our best technology, et cetera, et cetera. And those people are everywhere. And the uncomfortable truth, uh, Director Ray there, went to some trouble to point out, I'm not talking about the Chinese people or Chinese nationals or anything like that. The uncomfortable truth is while there are many, many, many fine folks of Chinese origin and Chinese nationals in our country uh, uh, just doing innocent things, there are thousands, perhaps tens of thousands, perhaps even hundreds of thousands who have a direct line to the Chinese government, the Chinese military, and are working for them in the United States trying to steal our secrets. Yeah, and other people of Chinese descent might be victims, as he points out here. But what about the criticism from Asian-American groups who say the Justice Department's China initiative has overreached with some Chinese espionage cases collapsing? We don't investigate anyone based on race race or uh, ethnicity or constitutionally protected activity. In fact, in many cases, Chinese-Americans are some of the people most victimized by the Chinese government's tactics that we're describing. Roy also accuses China of going after secrets in other countries, but he says the U.S. is its number one target. Yeah, so he mentioned, and we've talked about this before, how China will find somebody that's got, you know, is is either here um, from China or they're uh, maybe first-generation American, but they've got family back in China, and they put the screws to them. Look, we're going to uh, we're going to arrest your family if you don't do this. Right. We just need to take a few pictures of those plans, send them to us. We're done. Yeah. That's uh, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. It's troubling. And it's extra troubling that uh, the Chinese, uh, the Communist Party understands the United States and our media pretty well. And they know that the first thing to scream if focus is uh, put on their espionage sure. programs is to scream racism. Yeah, Absolutely. Of course and, they know that. And they will petition the media to, to report that. Um, I re- Play 95, because I thought this was really an interesting point that the FBI director made. 
Look. And Ray says the Chinese government exports elements of its oppressive police state, sending teams to the U.S. to threaten and intimidate critics. China may be the first country to combine that kind of authoritarian ambition with cutting-edge technical capability. It's like the surveillance nightmare of East Germany combined with the tech of Silicon Valley. How do you like that? Pretty good description. Yeah. Um, like you were talking about earlier, maybe the good thing that'll come out of the Olympics is even more Americans will be awakened to the threat of China. Yeah, this? that's that's necessary. It's incredibly important. I just wonder, you know, it's like I'm watching some sort of, uh, you know, uh, action movie adventure where uh, one of the good guys turns out to be the bad guy. The only question is, did we figure it out in time to save our necks? You cannot overstate how big a deal this is. It's impossible to overstate it. Because this is for real a battle. China, maybe the. It is for real a battle for the future of humankind. Mm-hmm. And then the same way that it was when it at the height of the Cold War, and people would use that sort of rhetoric. Because if the bad guys win, there could be centuries or a millennia of people living without freedoms under some sort of police state, uh, or, or forever. That could actually happen. If China ends up running the world. And I would suggest, as a guy who leans uh, rather strongly in the favor of liberty, uh, that even our own government is uh, awfully comfortable with some of that stuff. So the way it would wash over humanity if China was in charge, it would just, you know, that's the stuff of Orwell. It really is. It absolutely is. Uh, I was unaware until I was listening to the podcast China Unscripted, which I highly recommend. Man, they, they, they are they are some smart people to get some good guests on, and they have been working for years to try to alert. To They've been aware of this a lot longer than I have. Um, but so she is still um, consolidating his power, and he is in the next year or two going to be absolutely entrenched as uh, chairman for life there in China. And the Olympics are really a crowning achievement of the whole thing that he's that he's that he's able to do this. Um, and it's it's making other members of the Communist Party feel like, OK, so he's able to pull this off on the world stage and get the world to go along with him. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Hid the covid, did all these different things and still can do the Olympics. That's how good a job she is of of, uh, you know, pulling it over on the world. But he's still doing regular struggle sessions with other communist leaders that would would want to challenge him. So they arrest these communist leaders, claim they did something, anybody that could possibly challenge him. And they one of the most popular TV shows in China is these struggle sessions where they have these Chinese leaders come on and then they make them, you know, admit to all the horrible things that they've done on TV. And everybody watches it on TV like a hit TV show. Isn't that wow. weird? Instead of yeah. watching uh, NFL football or, or or American Idol or whatever our hot show is at the time, they're watching politicians cry on television, begging forgiveness. Wow, I can see the appeal. Although, you know, seriously, uh, it it reinforces over and over again the idea that you dare not go up against whoever has power right now. So it's a good it's a good uh, warning to the peeps. Yeah, when they watch that here in America, we're watching the View. We're half, we're half wits spout nonsense about race. I've been interested. I've just been following this. This is pretty uh, kind of fun to follow. So Whoopi has been suspended. Two weeks. That's right. She will pollute our airwaves no more, at least for two weeks. And all of my favorite pundits 
have said, don't suspend her. I want to live in a world where Whoopi Goldberg gets to say that. I agree completely. I have no need for her to be suspended. Heck no! Of <laughs> She's course an idiot. not. If they suspend the hosts of The View for being idiots, it's going to be an empty set. Huh? And the point being made, again, by a number of my favorite thinkers who believe in free speech, that you want people to say unpopular things or things that other people think are wrong because sometimes their minority opinion turns out to be right. And it would certainly be useful to have the discussion with Hawoopi. Yeah, and not in this case. Not in this case is there any chance of her opinion going to be right. But if you start shutting down any out there opinion, you miss out on a lot of good stuff by shutting down the stupid stuff. That's the whole point. Right. Yeah, agreed. Plus, you know, the, the dumb ideas deserve to be aired. That's the way you kill them. How does the country just not roll their eyes at Whoopi Goldberg and she goes on with her business as opposed to suspending her for two weeks? What the hell is that? It's a culture that has to level punishment if you make a mistake, even a stupid mistake. And then we do our own struggle session. Speaking Mm -hmm. of, you know, importing uh, Chinese values to the United States, she's got to do her own struggle session where she's going to have to go on. She'll have to come back the first show back and, you know, with tears in her eyes, beg forgiveness for how horrible she's been. It's just crazy. Well, she tried to do it on uh, Colbert, was it, the other night? Yeah. But she's, you know, the, the too dopey and uninformed to have pulled it off. <laughs> dopey and uninformed are original air names. We got no traction with that. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't good. I've heard the tapes. Not good. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of other stuff to talk about today. Um, we hit $30 trillion in debt, which is very exciting. Hooray, everybody. Oh, Divide $30 trillion by $340 million, That's your chunk of it. Good Do luck I with, have to? Good luck with that. Among other things on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So... It's 22 years. Mm. I mean, that's like a big chunk of my life. You know, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm not that old of a guy. I mean, Tom Brady, I've had a relationship with Tom Brady longer than my wife and I have been married. Wow, and, you know, okay. We've been, yeah. we've been married more but, than 20 years. Yeah. I don't you think know? you should say that to your wife. It's not the kind of thing I, I don't know much about, but I think, Paul, yeah. Paul so, pass. Paul so, pass. So did he mean a relationship like as a viewer? As somebody who watches football? I don't know. I found that whole thing off putting, including Anderson Cooper's meager efforts. Some of the stats around Tom Brady are uh, unbelievable. So here's one. No other quarterback has ever even played 35 postseason games, let alone won that many. Brady's won 35 playoff games. Right. Two seasons plus worth of playoff games. It's just a stunning. Um, yeah, we hit $30 trillion in debt yesterday. Quite a few years earlier than was expected, we were going to hit it anyway because we spend way more money than we uh, than we take in and have been 30 forever. Trillion, yeah. If you're depending on your age, uh, you remember when a couple trillion was a really big deal and it made everybody so. How long can we do this? You know that sort of thing. Well, apparently for quite a while. <laughs> the, the, the problem is the old. Uh, how did you go broke? Gradually, then suddenly. At what point does it really go off a cliff and it just doesn't work anymore? The national debt has expanded by $7 trillion since January of 2020. 
Yeah, but we had to spend that because of the shutdowns, which were completely unnecessary. Stay with us. That is unbelievable. We'll discuss that top of next. Seven trillion in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Of yeah. debt. We've spent way more than that because we spend every cent we make plus seven trillion dollars in the last two two years. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We, uh, you know, and and the family analogy is so uh, useful. People can relate to it. Family ran into a giant uh, emergency. You know, picture whatever you want. Medical emergency, house burnt down or whatever. And we didn't alter our spending in any way other than that. In fact, we increased it. That's that is such a good point. That is such a good point. Your your credit cards were maxed out when the emergency hit. So you're already like running on the edge. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people have or do. You're just like you're paycheck to paycheck. Even though you make plenty of money, you make plenty of money. Oh, yeah. Tons of money. You got a nice house. You got cars. You do stuff. You're paycheck to paycheck because you spend everything you take in plus more. Your card's maxed out. Then an emergency hits. Dad loses his job. Health thing you didn't expect. Whatever it is. And you don't <laughs> alter your spending at all. You don't get a smaller house. You don't. You, you don't call off buying that new car. You don't cancel your vacation plans. You don't do anything different at all. Exactly. Keep buying cases of wine, going to Hawaii every year, whatever. Just and, it, and if you exactly knew, the same. And if you knew that family who did that, what would your feelings be about them? They deserve to go broke. They deserve whatever bad thing happens to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. You know, it's it's frustrating, of course, for, for us and for the folks, because they're thinking, I'm reading your minds now, well, yeah, we know, we know, we agree, but there doesn't seem to be any stopping the spending juggernaut, and, and there's not, apparently. And well, good luck, grandkids. Well, you know, you know, maybe that fits with this. So it's Groundhog Day. Three in five Americans trust his prediction. Now, do those two do those, things, do those things go together? Oh, if you God. got sixty percent of American, or is that just performative polling? Is that people just think it'd be funny to say that to the pollster? Because if if sixty percent of Americans do trust <laughs> rodents, <laughs> meteorologists can't figure out the weather. Right. This rodent certainly can't. Oh boy! Maybe that would explain the debt, though. If you got sixty percent of <laughs> Americans who believe rodents can predict winter. Then uh, maybe that would explain why uh, you know you spend more money than you take in, and I didn't know we'd go broke. How did that happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't even know where to start with that. That is uh, scary. Fifty-eight percent believe that when Punxsutawney Phil sees his shadow on Groundhog Day, it actually determines if there will be six weeks more of winter. Uh, one in four Americans strongly agree with this statement. <laughs> oh. oh, I wow. not only believe it, I really believe it. I'm certain of it. Wow. Oh, that reminds <laughs> me. You know, that's hilarious. <laughs> I know it is. I, I know. I, well, it's hilarious and scary. I mean, one idiot uh, is an idiot. A million idiots is an electorate. Ooh. Uh, speaking of polling and that sort of thing, really interesting study of, uh, of opinion polling and how it can be manipulated. Some particular examples for you. Maybe we'll get to that next hour as well. Uh, speaking of economics and numbers and that sort of thing, Bureau of Labor Statistics, and boy, that must be exciting work, working there, reported yesterday that U.S. job openings remained near record highs at the end of December. Yeah. Uh, yeah there yeah, were yeah. 10.9 million unfilled jobs nationwide. This, this is an under-discussed story. The quits rate 
was 2.9%, down slightly from 3% in November. But baseball fans, it's like if somebody hit 85 home runs this year, but last year somebody hit 86, the yeah. number is still astonishing, yeah, even if it's slightly down. Yeah, any news source that was pointing out that was down is missing the story. It's still crazy high, unexplainably high, especially with all the job openings that we have. There are job openings all across the country can't get people to work and you have this many people that are out of work as we as the wall street journal pointed out the other day working age men in the prime of life we have a lower percentage of those men working now than we did during the great depression mm-hmm. and it's a choice it's because well it doesn't make my heart sing or whatever reason you don't want to work yeah like most uh, complicated things economically or sociologically there are probably a handful of factors at work i think that is absolutely true generous government benefits unrealistic expectations uh different views of work life balance probably factors in the new york times which is unquestionably a lefty publication says part of the reason is because executives at many companies have decided that part time work is too important and economical to abandon just because of a temporarily tight labor market the benefits of part-time labor, it holds down costs of benefits. Um, plus, you can change staffing levels quickly without like hiring new people on any given day or week rather than having workers sit idle during slower periods. And they say corporations have just decided it's such a good strategy, they're not going to abandon it just because they're desperate for workers. Mm. Whether that's true or not, I couldn't tell you. It's an interesting thought. How long can businesses survive with this level of customer service? Because it is terrible. Good question. Good question. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.